This episode of the Detox Podcast is brought to you by Rebel Riot Printing. Celebrating their 10th year in business, Rebel Riot is locally owned and family operated, offering custom printed tees with no minimums and fast turnaround. And by Bitsbox. Bitsbox teaches kids to code. Real JavaScript, real devices, and really fun. Hands down the most fun way for curious kids ages 6 to 14 to learn coding. Use promo code DETOX for $20 off any subscription order of $50 or more. That's D-T-A-L-K-S DETOX for $20 off any order of $50 or more with Bitsbox. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Detox Podcast, a parenting podcast where you can detox from the world around you and get a window into how other people live their lives. Come detox with detox. I'm your host, Joe Shaw. On this week's episode, I had the pleasure of speaking to blues musician, the Reverend Sean Amos. He is such a delight and he is a fascinating individual and a father. I think you're really going to enjoy my interview with him. I was interviewing him for another project that will come out later this summer called After the Encore. It's a music podcast. You can check it out. But for this show, I am taking a portion of my interview and playing it here for you in the Detox Podcast. Up first, Brian the Birth Guy comes back with another Ask the Birth Guy, and then we'll dive right into the interview. So stick around. I'll be right up after this. Now it's time for Ask the Birth Guy. Hey guys, it's me, Brian the Birth Guy. We had a great question come in. What are some remedies for morning sickness? So I'm going to tell you guys, I like to take it back a little bit and think about what's happening with mom's body. She's pregnant, she's excited, but suddenly her blood volume is about to double. So when that's happening, I suspect that we're having a lot of changes in insulin, glucagon, and all the other things that balance mom's, uh, the way she feels, especially with when it comes down to food, nausea, feeling um, faint, feeling sweaty and cold, clammy, all those things that happen with morning sickness. So I've got a couple little tricks. One of them I tell my clients to do is to start eating a diabetic diet for a little while. And that just means that you're cutting out the carbs and the sugars. You're having like strawberries and you're not having watermelon. You're having uh, no cereal, no milk. You're having bacon and eggs and sausage and stuff like that. And you're trying to really, really kind of just keep that insulin level and sugar level nice and balanced. So that helps a lot. The other thing is I tell them when you wake up in the morning, have next to your bed some hard candies, maybe butterscotch or something. Think of uh, like a grandparent <laughs> and have them right there next to the bed. And in the morning, open one of those up before you even lift up your head and have one. Stay, stay there for a minute and then you can take it out of your, your mouth in about a minute. You know, just suck on it for a little while, let some of that sugar go. And then um, have some crackers by your bed. Eat a cracker, then stand up about a minute later. And if you feel pretty good, then don't go do your makeup and get ready for you know work or whatever you're going to do. Go to the kitchen, make some eggs, or have a nice low-carb breakfast. See how that makes you feel. I hope that helps you guys. I'm always happy to be here on the Detox Podcast. And this is, a, this is just such a great opportunity to get to talk to all of you guys. I hope you go check out my book at www.birthguybook.com and join me on, on social media at BirthGuy on Instagram and Brian the Birth Guy on Facebook. Back to your host, Joe Shaw.
You're listening to After the Encore. I am Joe Shaw, and I'm here with the Reverend Sean Amos. So, Rev, we talked at the beginning of the episode about what blues means to you, what blues means to us, what blues means to the collective we, right, as a society, and uh, which is a lot of things to say, right? But, but, and you talked about how you were, you kind of stepped away from the performing space, and it wasn't until you were asked to front a blues band that you really started realizing, oh, this is the joyful aspect of blues, and it's really invigorating and exciting me. So walk me through, what was that experience like about just being asked? Like, how did that even come about? And let's kind of go from there. Uh, an old bandmate of mine said, I'm going to play some blues. You want to come? <laughs> it's very simple as that. Right, right. I'm like, all right. I mean, he, when, I, when I was doing A&R at, at the label, I, I uh, oversaw a lot of uh, you know, blues historical compilations. Okay, I, I produced gotcha. uh, uh, a box of John Lee Hooker's definitive okay. recordings. I did some work with Johnny uh, Lee Hooker, Johnny Guitar Watson's estate, So, um, and, a, and a bunch of others. And so I, I was... You know, considered, I guess, by some, including my ex-band, made to be a bit of a, you know, an expert on on, on blues, sure, certain, yeah. certain eras of blues, and so he knew that if I came over there, I could probably put together a pretty good set list. Yeah, uh, yeah, definitely. Uh, and we and we played together, so he, he, you know, he he knew he knew I could sing, and so he was just, I think, um, yeah, he 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 was just being a buddy, you know, and so uh, and it was in Italy, and so if someone calls you up and says you want to sing blues in Italy for a couple of weeks, right. <laughs> It's like, how do you say no to that? What are you going to say? <laughs> no, I think I'm booked. Yeah, so. I mean, they didn't say that. So, I mean, it's just like, yeah, of course. I'll right, exactly. Um, so it was pretty simple. Uh, so I, I wasn't looking. It, was, it wasn't like a career move. It wasn't, I wasn't looking. Again, no expectations, right? Right, I, exactly. I was like, I'll go to Italy in two weeks and sing some blues. Yeah. One. And it, it just turned into a real um, life-changing moment. I mean, I, it, I, I was not prepared I wasn't going there thinking I'm going to change the you know, course of my creative life. I right. just go there and have a good time for a couple weeks. Right. Um, but it, it really touched me in a way that was truly profound. I mean, it was the, one of the, it was the most profound uh, performing and creative experiences I've ever had. And, and so uh, it, it was easy for me to, to make the commitment sure. to, to the genre and to sort of move the, uh, the sort of arc of my creative life in that direction. Yeah. So when did you, because your previous albums, you were just Sean Amos, correct? So when did you decide to become the Rev? Like, when did you get ordained? <laughs> the Italians <laughs> ordained me. That's so, awesome. Yeah, so we, we were doing these gigs, and uh, after the gigs, they would say, El Reverendo, El Reverendo. <laughs> and uh, I'm like, what the hell is that? <laughs> and and my, my friend Jeremy Parson, he lives in Houston, actually, uh, he was, he's an Italian scholar, aside from being a great guitarist. Yeah. So they're calling you Reverend. They're calling you Reverend. I'm like, what the hell? Why are they calling you Reverend? Right. And, and they were responding to my performance. Yeah. You know? and, oh. and so when I was doing the singer-songwriter thing, I was a very quintessential shoegazer, angst-ridden performer. I played acoustic guitar at the time. Okay. And I was a really young, because the music I was singing was, you know, in my own mind, at least this, you know, confessional deep pained, you know, personal study. Right. You know, I'm burying my soul on stage. And so I, I was very, um, I was just a really self-conscious performer. Sure. And I was a very uncomfortable performer. Mm. And I felt like, you know, what I was saying was enough. You right. know, I, I didn't need to, I, I placed a little value on the idea of entertaining people. Mm. Gotcha. Um, and so, but when I went to Italy and was singing these songs, there were other people's songs. So I was unburdened by any you know, yeah. kind of emotional attachment to right. it. Um, there, there were someone else's fiction I was singing. Yeah. And 
and I was having a fucking good time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and so I just sort of, you know, came out as a different kind of performer and not even in a, in a very like, there was this thing, I mean, literally it was like it was sort of the heavens opened up and this hand just sort of like reached down, you know, into my head, down into my heart and, and out to the crowd. And it's still that way. You know, there's just, there's just this sort of through line from whatever, you know, the spirit is, you know, into my body, out to the crowd. And that never happened to me before. Uh, and, and it only happens when I sing that music. Yeah. You know, and I've sung some of my older material since, not often. And it's a whole different headspace for me. Sure. Yeah, if, I, if I pull out a Shirley May song right. from that album or, 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 or songs from my other albums, I'm just completely in a different headspace. And it's not that enjoyable again. <laughs> right, yeah. Uh, I mean, it, 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 that, that's the wrong word. It, it's, just, it's just different. Yeah. Um, but it's the, it, it, it's the combination of you know, singing in that genre um, just does something to me. You know? And it did in that moment. They called me the reverend. I'm like, well, hell, if a bunch of you know, Italian Catholics are going to call me a reverend, I mean, who am I to refuse? Right. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Who am I to deny them? Yeah. And so, uh, so I came back to the States. I just said, well, that's it. There it I'm is. I'm the Reverend Sean Amos. Right. Uh, the other thing was, I think at first I needed the, the, um, I needed the, like a little bit of a firewall, you know, mm, um, between sure. sort of, Again, because I, I, I'd gotten so sort of dangerously immersed in my songwriting before that I felt like, well, if I'm the Reverend Sean Amos, then there's, it was almost like my Ziggy Stardust or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, yeah. It's, mm-hmm. it's like it's not me. I, I can sort of protect my own sanity. Right, <laughs> yeah. In my own life. Yeah. And, and, and I can sort of be inoculated somehow right. from having this thing get in me too much. Um, what I've discovered in the five years that I've been doing it is that you know a, a, a fusion has happened now? Mm. You know, and, and whereas I think early on, it was a character you know, in large part, a character born out of you know me, but a character. Right. And I think what's happening now is that it, it's um, you know, I'm more the Reverend, the Reverend's more me. And right, it, it, right, it, yeah. It, it's sort of like a you know the 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 uh the amalgamation is happening <laughs> yeah. i like it so when did you so how do i want to put this you are in my opinion one of the best harp players harmonica oh, players i've you, listened to and i'm a huge little walter fan yeah, so so how did you pick up how did you pick that up right because you had talked about playing a guitar so when did you make the uh, add that into your repertoire yeah it's high praise thanks man you're welcome um I, I always play, I played harp when I played uh, my sort of singer songwriter stuff. Okay. Uh, and, but it was harp, you know, in the sort of Neil Young, Bob Dylan tradition. Sure. So, you know, the harmonica holder. And right. Puffin yeah. and Puffin. Right. And, you know, <laughs> um, and, and that was sort of my harmonica playing. So I was familiar with the instrument. Gotcha. Um, it wasn't a mystery to me. But blues playing and folk harp playing are two totally different things. Yeah. And so I never even owned an amp until yeah, I became a blues player. Uh, and, and so it was really a thing where. Um, it was this intention, you know, I, I think yeah. I, I got to a point where I realized, you know, what can I really, what can I have any chance of mastering? Sure. And yeah. I was never going to master guitar. And frankly, I, I never was that interested in guitar. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I used it as a device to write songs, but I never liked holding it. I never, I, I just, I, I always felt like, Ugh, you know, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. And, and I love, 
guitar playing, but I just I just never felt like I had much to contribute to the world of guitar playing, <laughs> uh, and, and so it just felt like a burden. Yeah. Um, and so that wasn't going to happen, and I I, you know I played piano a little bit enough just to understand composition, but yeah, you know, I was never going to master any of these things. But harmonica was the thing where I felt like you know, I could have a chance of mastering this. Yeah. You know, if I if I just sort of get rid of everything else. Right. <laughs> you know? Right. Uh, and so yeah. I got rid of guitar and I got rid of everything else, and and I just decided I'm going to really focus on harp playing and, and I still do I do I, I carry a harp everywhere I go yeah there's one where the hell is it yeah there's one that is so badass. Um, so yeah, it was. It's, it's so great about the instrument because it's so portable, right? And you can right. Carry, you can carry it and and you can always practice. You can always have it on you. You can always stay connected to it, and that's just what I decided to do. Yeah. And so it's just a real big part of my life, and I play it all the time. And I and I find that as a singer, it, it's really easy to for me at least to um, to find my voice. You know, yeah. Through, through that instrument, and so. Uh, I love it. I really love it. I mean, it's the first thing I've loved as much as I've loved singing, as much as I've loved songwriting. Right. I, mean, I equally love playing harmonica. I think it comes through in it. And I, I think, you know, I mean, I got a long way to go. I'm not, I'm no little Walter, but <laughs> I, um, it, it feels like I've, 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 I've got something to say as a harmonica yeah. player. I, that's the yeah. thing. I guess yeah, I, I've never exactly. felt like I had anything to say as a guitar player. Sure. You know, um, I feel like I have something to say as a harmonica player. And I feel like there's a way in which I play that uh, clearly owes itself to you know Chicago sort of 1950s 60s stuff playing but yeah I, I think I, I play a little bit like a blues man a little bit like a songwriter yeah um, and, and that feels like a like, like a lane I've yeah. Got, yeah I really feel that the harmonica specifically as it relates to blues helps put a almost an exclamation point on whatever you're singing or saying right like it's it, it's a it's a little bit of a like a flare like a flourish a flourish is really what I guess it, you yeah, know like I mean, I mean in, and to me that's what I love about blues is I, I love hearing the 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 soul and the the passion and the joy or the angst depending on you know who's singing or mm -hmm. what they're singing but I feel like with the with the harp it's really just adding all of these layers to what has just been sung and what's about to be sung. I guess yeah, it's a color for me. I, I, I you know, I, I am, I'm not a fan of solos in general. I, I feel like a lot of the problems uh, that blues has is that it, it becomes home to every um, guitar player, harp player who just wants to prattle on all day and, and sort of fair, you know, fair, and, 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 fair. And wank off on you know, <laughs> 20 minute solos I, 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 I'm, and I'm just you know I'm yeah. bored this is not like people who deserve to play that long like, sure like Coltrane deserves to play like a solo fair Miles Davis deserves to play right. solo but, and this is not like people who like deserve to play for that long yeah yeah, yeah. yeah and, and I'm not one of them yeah, yeah. And, and so I just feel like um that self-congratulatory mm. aspect of of of, of blues you know, jam band music. Sure. I, I have little patience for. And so I, um, you know, I, I, I'd like to keep the soloing. So I wouldn't consider myself like a harmonica in that sense. Like I, sure. I, I, okay. I would never I get up on stage and just like go like, off for, you know, like, 10 minutes. Right. So yeah. I, I just feel like, Oh God, you know, it's embarrassing. <laughs> um, but I, I do like, you know, a short, the going back to your punctuation thing. Yeah. You know, I, right. I, I think that, um, it, it it's, um, what is it? It, it? 
there's an emotional release I think that that it provides yes. in a song, and, and certainly for me personally. And I find I find like the times I end up wanting to play a solo are, are because I've I've got I've reached this sort of friend, emotional frenzy in myself right. that can only be fully let out through playing. Yep. Yeah. Um, yep. If I was James Brown, I might just you know, scream and howl, but, right. you know, but but I'm not. So I, I feel like the, the that it, it, it is a release, and it's yeah. sort of a, it, it. You know, I, I'm being guided by my emotions are guiding me in a certain way that end up sort of leading me to the harmonica. Um, but I, I, I choose not to stay there very long. Right. I, I, I don't I don't want to bore anyone else or myself. Right. So walk me through. <clears throat> you have two full full length albums out as the Reverend Sean Amos, right? And then you also just released the Sunday Table Blues. Kitchen Table Blues. Kitchen Table Blues. Yeah, so we, it, there's a... And those were two two volumes. Is Were they released technically as EPs or... Yeah, the two two EPs. Okay. Uh, yeah, so there's, there, there, there's... I guess there's three EPs technically. There, there's a, the first thing we did was uh, the Reverend Sean Amos Tells It, which is an EP that's mainly just, you know, Chicago-style blues covers. And that was just yep. me just learning the genre and having yeah. fun and exploring yeah. it. And then... um. And then uh, the first full length was uh, called The Reverend Sheamus Loves You, and that was recorded in Shreveport, Louisiana. Oh, wow. Uh, that Min- uh, produced by Mindy Bear. And that was sort of my first step at writing in the genre and sort of contributing my own, you know, what I hope would be blue standards one day you know, to, to, the, to the genre. And then we did a live EP with that same band, uh, that, The Brotherhood. Uh, and then... And then my second album was released last year, Breaks It Down, which is sort of more of like a, I mean, I guess, I guess technically it's a blues album, but it's, it has a bit of a 60s freedom song kind of protest yes. element to it. Um, but the, the album's really inspired by Mavis Staples and the, and the Staples Singers. Okay. And a, lot, a lot of the sort of, you know, uh, the freedom songs that came out in the 1960s, Civil Rights yeah. Movement. So there, there's, there's, it, it, it stretches the genre a little bit. You can hear that a lot in the track two, 2017. Yeah, yeah, for you sure, know? for sure. Um, and then we did, I, I, I had a YouTube series for uh, about a year and a half called kitchen table blues. Right. And we did 90 episodes of these things where I'd invite people to my house every Sunday and we'd eat food and I'd make food and we'd sit on the kitchen table and play songs. Yeah. And so and we captured that for a YouTube series. And so I just pulled some of my favorite performances from that yeah. series and we did two EPs of that. It's pretty badass. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah they're, they're, they're raw. They're, they're all one take and you can hear the kitchen. You can hear people, you know, the kids are running around and you know, dogs barking. And, I mean, but yeah. it's, it's authentic. <laughs> Right. And I think that was like when I think about what I love about blues is the authenticity. And you think about like when I listen to little a lot of little Walter's old stuff, you can kind of hear the like you can hear, you know, the graininess. You can hear the room. You can hear a lot in it, but you can feel the passion and, and it just, I don't know, it feels super authentic. And your daughter's saying on one of those tracks, right? Yeah. I mean, to me, it's less about authenticity than just lack of self-consciousness. Yes. Yeah, and, and, yes. And, that's, and, that's and, really, and I, I think that a lot of music, particularly pop music is just really self-conscious. Yeah, and, absolutely. Um, and I think when you're self-conscious, you're, you're not, you're not being real because yeah. you're worrying about what people think. Right. <laughs> and so um, you're not being present. Yeah. And exactly. Yeah, exactly. Take <laughs> it back. You, yeah, you're welcome. Very good. <laughs> uh, so for me, those Kitchen Table Blues things and doing them, forget the release of it, was just, you know, how to just, you know, enjoy making music and yeah. not be self-conscious about it. And releasing it was, a, was a, on my part, sort of a, you know, an act of being uh, 
of being unselfconscious because right. you know, yeah. it's sort of oh am I going to release this thing there's, 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 there's warts in them and they're, they're, they're far from perfect recordings uh, but they definitely capture a vibe and a mood and to yeah. me that was more important than some kind of uh, sonic you know, purity right. um, so hopefully people got that yeah but my daughter sang with yeah. me uh, uh, Piper who, uh, <laughs> she sings uh, an Etta James cover and, I love that song. And, yeah, Mama, he treats your daughter, daughter mean. She's dynamite. She's fucking awesome. Yeah. She's going to medical school now, so she's not. Yeah, she she, she ditched me for a real, a, a real career. Yeah. <laughs> she got smart watching her dad live in a live in a van. Yeah, she's like, no way. So she's gonna she's gonna have a real have a real career. Oh, but that track was so good. I was listening to it. I I, I texted you and was like, "Is this your daughter? Because yeah. it this track is lit." I forwarded I forwarded so the text to her. It was so so good. Yeah, and she's then awesome. You've got you've got covers on there too where you covered whip it which is just a trip i love that yeah that they're, all, they're all they're, they're all covers on that, on that right yeah I, I think I, I went through a period where i was looking to deconstruct rock tunes uh i mean yeah you know, the common things like you know all rock music all popular music western music is based on blues right so uh, the willie dixon had this famous quote that uh you know blues is the roots and everything is the fruits right yeah and so i love that quote and so it's not st- so it's not about like Oh, these are blues songs here because anyone who's sort of serious about music knows that anyway. For right. me, it was sort of like, how do you strip away all of the production layers and all of the sort of um, uh, the the shiny, you know, buzzy things of these songs and just reveal the the blues roots of it. You know, so yeah. if you if you like take a house apart and just like reveal it, the beams and just the 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 the, the actual structure of this thing. Mm-hmm. I was sort of in, into that for a while. Yeah. You know, the 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 ultimate example of that is on on the uh, Breaks It Down album. We do a cover of Gene Genie, yes. the, the Bowie tune, yes. uh, which gets a lot of play. And, and that is sort of like to me that was the best example of. Sure, that. it's like yeah, you know, taking a song, stripping away the the glam piece of it and all this sort of you know cock rock piece of it, and just sort of like getting it down to its completely elemental bones. Yeah. Uh, and then the Gene Gene does that. But but there are a lot of versions on Kitchen Table Blues. So that, yeah. that, that was sort of like my my obsession for a while. It's like Whip It and, um, God, what else did we do? Uh, uh, I'm spacing now. We did, we did a, a Pablo Cruz song, which is a 70s cheesy band and radio <laughs> band. And we did um, you know, Costello and The Clash and, yeah. God, the the, remo- uh, no, the Romantics, this 80s band and, you know, Springsteen too. I mean, I, I sort of went on a down the rabbit hole right. for a while on that. Yeah. I'm done with it now, but <laughs> <laughs> but it's but it's nice. It's nice that you've been able to now introduce that to a whole different audience that may not have been aware. Yeah, of whoever cares to listen. Yeah, yeah. it's uh, we did Christina Aguilera tune also. What you're beautiful. <laughs> she didn't write. It was in Linda Perry. You're beautiful. Oh yeah, you're yeah, beautiful, yeah. No matter what they say. Nah, yeah, nah. we did a version of that. Oh, that's <laughs> the blues, awesome. The blues song, <laughs> Prince's uh, 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 "Let's Go Crazy." That's more awesome. of a gospel than a blues. But, right. Uh, yeah, it was fun. It was fun. I mean, you can sort of, it doesn't work with everything, but I mean, yeah. anything that's sort of basic, you know, uh, pop rock music, if you, if you like chip away that mo- yeah. mo- enough, you'll find a, a blues sort of undergirding there. Right. Uh, I like it. So beyond, beyond the kitchen table blues, what has been, what has been some of the most, uh, when you look back at the records or the specific songs or tracks you've produced as the Reverend Sean Amos, what are some of the ones you're most uh, proud of or glad that you did or uh, that you can point to and say this was this was a journey and I'm glad that I've kind of come out the other oh. side and done that song? I'm proud of the whole catalog, man. Right. I, I sort of view my life as like you know, my, my pre-Reverend recordings and my Reverend recordings. Sure. And, and I, I find 
Yeah, and I'm proud of all of that. I find the pre-reverend recordings are, you know, uneven, you know, in, in certain places. And I wish I could have, you know, gone back and maybe worked on, you know, a lyric a little bit harder, or maybe I could have, you know, been a little more patient with in the studio to achieve a different result. Mm-hmm. I, I don't feel that way with any of the blue stuff so far. Yeah, I, I'm really proud of, um, you know, both both the, the songwriting and, and and the production. Um, yeah. and, and they they they, st- they stand up to me. So I, I'm I'm a, I I feel like I've hopefully found the balance of, you know, working at it, but not like killing the life, sapping the life out of it. Right. right which right. is always a danger in the studio because you can really overthink stuff. Yeah. Uh, and, and I like, and there's and, and conversely, there was a time for me where I didn't really appreciate the studio. I thought like the studio is just there to, you know, document something and let's yeah. be done with it. And now I sort of appreciate the fact that you can, you know, sort of, polish a stone yeah. pretty well in the studio yeah. and and I like I like I like polishing you know, yeah more than I used to that's good what is on the horizon for you <laughs> um well you know I, I moved to Texas a year ago yep. in, in July and 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 I'm and it's taking me this long to even admit that <laughs> <laughs> and so uh you know I, I'm, I'm coming up on a year and I I'm sort of I'm really committed to figuring out how I can feel at home here because mm-hmm. uh, I haven't felt at home here since I, since I came. Um, not anyone's fault. I mean, it's in that present thing. Sure, right? So right. I, I just haven't sort of like allowed myself to, to, to admit it, you know, and, 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 and sort of let, let the pieces of it that are attractive, you know, get in. Um, so I'm really, um, trying to find a way to, 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 to be here and, and to enjoy and to find out what pieces of it I can enjoy. Yeah. Uh, and one way I'm doing that is I'm going to make an album here. So I, I, I've been writing, uh, for a while and, uh, and we're going to go in the studio and I was going to go back to LA and record in LA, mm-hmm. uh, in a familiar studio with familiar you know people and, right. and in my familiar neighborhoods. And I decided I'm going to go record in Austin instead. So, uh, so I'm going through in June, and we're going to make an album, uh, and I'm looking forward to that. And, and that's sort of my main focus right now, just yeah. you know, finishing writing around the album, um, making it, finishing it, polishing it until yeah. uh, it's you know, polished enough but not overly polished. <laughs> and, uh, and that's my focus for, for, for next few months. I like it. Yeah, and then get my kid off to college. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, as we wrap up, is there one last piece of life advice that you like to give out that you would like to give out at this time? I never give out advice. <laughs> I'm not that presumptuous. <laughs> yeah. uh, Don't overpolish, yeah, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Keep the faith. Have some fun. Yeah. There's my. If you know of an interesting person or story that needs to be told, please reach out to me at detoxpodcast at gmail.com. That's D-T-A-L-K-S podcast at gmail.com. You can also reach out via Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at detoxpodcast or visit detoxpodcast.com. Also, be sure to leave us a five-star rating on iTunes if you like the show. It only takes a few seconds and it really helps us out. Link is in the show notes. Finally, thanks for listening. Please come back next week when we'll have another interesting conversation. And special thanks to my producers, Ben Lawant and Galan Aldaco. Without your help and support, this show wouldn't be possible. 
Thanks so much, guys. Detox is a production of Vocal. For more information and more programming, please visit vocalnow.com. That's V-O-K-A-L-N-O-W.com.